All right. Wow. This is this is so great. I love you guys. You're kindred spirits, I'll tell you. Yeah, the part about the service that I don't like, though, is with the kids leaving. I hate that. But I get it. I get it. There could be some PG-13 stuff here. But anyway, so good to be with you guys. Steve is one of my favorite Calvary pastors, and Austin and and his team did so good this morning, I thought. It fit exactly what we're going to talk about today, and that's why I think Melanie, is it, do you pronounce that Melanie? Melanie, or what is it? Is it Melanie? Anyway, she she got the exact message. And by the way, the message is, I wrote it down somewhere. <laughs> okay. Don't be sleepwalking, be watchful of the times. Don't be sleepwalking. See, it kind of fit a lot of the songs and, and even more with the scriptures that we're going to look at. Now, before I get into that, I wanted to mention that how many of you have maybe taken a trip to Israel with Pastor Rex or Pastor Steve? Okay. A few of you have. That's super great. It is so, they say that to go to Israel for seven to ten days is like getting a year's worth of Bible college. It's so informative. It's so exciting. But it's way better than Bible college because you, you're right at the place where it happened. So I encourage you, next time Rex or uh, one of the pastors um, takes a trip like that to to make the most of it if you can. Now, I mention it only because I feel like the Lord's put on my heart this year, so I planned out for it, a biblical tour of Greece. A biblical tour of Greece. It's a little bit different because with Israel, Jesus was all up and down Israel. And we know where the sites were and such like that. But what we do know about Greece and the islands, it's also three nights and days of cruising, like to the Isle of Patmos, where John wrote the Revelation. The Lord gave it to him. Um, so Greek islands, uh, Crete, uh, Samos, and what's that other one that starts with a C? Yeah, Cyprus, there, thank you. All right, plus I'm a quarter Greek. Yeah. That's why I get, my nose gets sunburned. It's really nice. Anyway, so um, think of going to the places like Philippi. Like today, we're going to look in at Thessalonians. And these are places where the first churches were planted. And they're so exciting. Corinth. We know about Corinth. They, they had issues, right? And yet to be able to go there and see what the setting was and all the gods and all the idols and stuff like that that were there. Um, anyway, I only bring it up because if you'd like to go, um, we're going to go October 2nd through 11th. If any of you like to travel and, uh, and go with us, that'd be sweet. I've got a couple of brochures. Um, now, if... Steve is taking a group to Greece. Don't go with me. Just go with your pastor because 
You know him, and he knows you, and so that's super great. All right, this is a nice pulpit. There's kind of a divot in it right here, though. It's good. I'll use that to hold this part of my notes. Good, let's turn to 1 Thessalonians. As we talk about not sleepwalking, but being watchful. Watchful of the times. Jesus told us to be watchful. So let's read this part where Paul emphasizes this very same thing, being watchful. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11. It says, but concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night for when they say peace and safety then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape but you brothers and sisters are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief you are sons of light and sons and daughters of the day we are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on, okay, our armor, the breastplate of faith and of love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath. Can you say amen? God did not appoint us to wrath. But there are some who've come to the place of being appointed for wrath. Why? God hates sin. It's hurt people so bad. And he doesn't want us to have to go through that but to obtain salvation through our lord jesus christ who died for us that whether we wake or sleep we should live together with him therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing so this message ought to be very comforting to you. It should really be encouraging to you. It should be edifying. It should build you up. You, if I'm doing my job right and we're listening to what the scripture says, we're going to be encouraged big time. So let's pray for that. Dear God, I thank you for this wonderful lighthouse a city set on a hill here in Calvary Chapel, northern Kauai here, Lord. We just thank you for it. And God, we pray for Steve and his family that you bless them as they're away and that you'll really bless their time with their family. And Lord, we're here to hear from you. We ask your Holy Spirit to speak to us we pray that you'll encourage each and every one. And Lord, those that need to wake up as we sang this morning, I pray that I'll wake up 
hear what you're saying. And so, Lord, we give you this time now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, to me, it's kind of interesting that maybe the first New Testament books that became part of the Bible are Thessalonians. That's what generally people say because it was thought to be the first ones written even before the Gospels. But be that as it may or may not be, it's such good stuff. But where we're at, we come into a section of Scripture which is right between the rapture and then the coming kingdom about the future things. We're not going to have a big prophecy thing to try and compare the newspaper or the radio or TV to what the Bible says. We're not really going to do that. We don't need to do that. We can see what the Bible says and know exactly what's going on. Tell me if I'm wrong later after church. Um, give me a critique on the whole thing, okay? But look at this. The rapture. It says over in chapter 4, look at that, okay? Just up the page from chapter 5. Look at verse 15 in chapter 4. For this we say to you, by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Now, in this case, in a couple of places, he's using sleep as a metaphor, in this case, he's talking about being dead. Those who are dead, they'll rise first. Let's read on. He says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead who are in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always, from that moment on, will always be with the Lord. How many look forward to that day? I, I'm getting excited. You know, the older you get, you're like, I'm really hopeful now. Even death is going to be a positive. But it's exciting because what is the rapture? People say, well, the rapture's not even in the Bible. Well, the word rapture is from the Latin. And what we have here is in the Greek, in verse 17, it's harpazo. It means to be snatched away. It's like you're kidnapped by Jesus. He's going to snatch you away. First, the dead in Christ will rise. You know, we know from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we live in tents right now. Now, a tent is sort of a part-time place to live, right? How many of you want to live in a tent your entire life? Most people don't. Well, physically, this is a tent, but we have a new body. 2 Corinthians 5 says it's already ready. But then when the rapture happens to the church saints, what remains of the dust will be absorbed evidently into the resurrected self of those people together with their new body that they have from the Lord and they're going to be waiting for us and we're going to be caught up to be with the Lord in the air and we're like 
hey, here we are in the air. I mean, really, this is an amazing thing. And that's what the Bible says. Now, Jesus in particular called this blessed hope, which Paul told Titus in the book of Titus, the blessed hope of his coming for us. Jesus taught us to be spiritually alert and to be watching, watching for it. He said in Matthew 24, 42, watch therefore, for you don't know when your Lord is coming. You don't know when he's coming. Paul tells us the same thing here. In one of our verses, verse 5 and 6 of chapter 5, I know I'm quoting a lot of scriptures here, but we're going to talk a little bit. Look at verse 5. You are all sons and daughters of light and of the day. You're not of the night. Okay, now here, night or darkness has a different metaphor. He's talking about sin and selfishness and evil and idolatry and those things. He said, we're not that. That's not us. And more and more, it's to be not us because he wants us to be like him. You know, what's the best life there is to live? Close to Jesus and making him the one you want to be like. I want to emulate him. You know, he's already done the hard work. I want to be glorifying to him. And that takes the Holy Spirit. He has to do that work in my life. Now, he said to watch because you don't want to be ripped off. You don't want something stolen from you. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Now, don't be spiritually sleepwalking through this life. We all know what sleepwalking is. It's when you're walking, but you're asleep. And you don't know what you're doing. It's kind of a crazy thing, actually. And when we spiritually are dull and insensitive to God's will and to his word for us, and even his presence, a lot of times we'll go the whole day without saying hi to Jesus. That's rude. <laughs> you know, you're walking with Jesus now. You're going through the whole day, and you're doing your thing, and, and Jesus is over there. Hey, I'm here. So not sleeping because he's with you always, even to the end of the world. Now, it's interesting physically regarding the phenomenon of sleepwalking. It's called in, I believe it's Latin, somnambulism. Have you ever heard of that? Somnambulism. It's a behavior that occurs twice as much in children than it does in adults. Why? Because 80% of their sleep is not REM sleep, not rapid eye movement, deep sleep. Like we, we adults, we like to go and really go out in terms of the, just what's going on inside in terms of rest. We get more REM sleep than they do. 80% of their sleep time is less than REM or rapid eye movement, deep sleep. So that could be why children sleepwalk or do things in their sleep more than adults do. 
or it could be caused by the immaturity of the central nervous system. So it takes a little while sometimes for the head to really be able to communicate with all the members, right? That, 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 that nervous system has to mature and then it can do things. Because like a little baby, when he first comes out, he's, you know, like this. He doesn't know, he doesn't, hey, bring me a latte, would you? Because he wouldn't know how to hold it. And funny things can happen. Like they say, there, there was this one gal, she sent out several emails in her sleep. And it didn't resemble anything clear. It was really sort of a nutty, semi-coherent thing. So people will do common actions, but they're doing it in their sleep. For example, talking in your sleep. Has your spouse, if you're married and you're sleeping in bed, they ever said, you talked in your sleep last night? Yeah, that happens. My wife says, I preach in my sleep. And she says, it's way better than when I'm waking. Now, what she does, seriously, she prays, and she's a very fervent prayer, but even more in her sleep. She's like, oh, God, I'm raging, and I'm, I'm tuning in because I want to know what's happening. And so in the morning, I'll say, hon, you were talking about this and this, and you really got into it, and then the, I think you were speaking in tongues or something because I couldn't understand what you're saying. But anyway... She goes, wow, that's weird, because and then she'll tell me maybe what she was thinking about before she was going to bed. Another one that's very common is getting up and going to the bathroom, urinating. Let me give you an example. When I was a little kid, our family was very poor, and I had an older brother who was 11. I was like seven or eight, and my little brother was three or four years old. So one night in our small bed, it was less than a double bed, all three of us slept in this bed. So number one, every night sucked. It was not good. But this particular night, I noticed something moving, and so I go turn the light on, and my little brother, like I said, he's four years old, is peeing on the head of my older brother. You know, Kelly <laughs> was peeing on Terry's head. And it was so funny, I just had to laugh. I just, I was cracking up. I didn't even want to wake up Kelly. <laughs> it was such a humorous thing. And so my mom came in. She heard us making noise and everything. She goes, wake, wake up Kelly. And so she wakes him up and, and Terry comes up and he's, uh, oh, what happened? Is it raining? I don't know. Anyway, he's. <laughs> I think I, I can remember it like it was yesterday. I mean, why? Because again, not a connection. Not a connection that's mean, meaningful from one part to an another. It's the same thing spiritually. If we're not listening to our head, which is Jesus, then we could do things that are not good towards another member, towards someone else. You know, people have done many different things in their sleep, and it didn't make any sense whatsoever. Now, this immature attitude with believers 
it's not allowing the nervous system. And let's talk in spiritual metaphors for a second. We know that every member of the body of Christ needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? He, he's that other comforter, just like Jesus. And that word means an encourager who comes alongside to help. So Jesus is so loving and the Heavenly Father is so loving that he sends the Holy Spirit to fill every one of the believers. Number one, you can't be reborn in your heart, in your spirit. In other words, receive a new life except through the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to this big rabbi, you know, he said, you must be born again. Well, how can I be born again? I'm 62. That's ridiculous. I can't go back into my mother's womb. No, we wouldn't want you to do that. Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised that I say to you, you must be born of the spirit. But then over in Ephesians 5.18, it says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Not only being reborn through the Spirit, but empowered by the Holy Spirit so that you can and I can become more like Him. That's what He wants me to do. God has not given us... People, listen to this. He hasn't given you a spirit of fear or anxiety or worry to go around all day. Oh, the world is going crazy. You know, I saw it on the news. Well, we'll see what the Bible says. But we already know. Jesus is saying he's coming at a time when we think not. We don't even know. If we were alert, we wouldn't be ripped off. This is why we need to spread the word that Jesus loves people and he wants them to be ready. We know that thousands and thousands and millions of people are going to come to the Lord during the Great Tribulation. We know that. But all those who come to the Lord and refuse to take the mark and the number and to bow down to the Antichrist when he commits the abomination, which causes desolation, what is that? Setting himself up to be worshipped. And the whole planet's going to think he's the Messiah, except those who've been told Jesus is the only Messiah. He's the one. And in the future, this is going to happen. So if it does happen, don't. Don't follow that. You know, John said, You've heard it said the Antichrist is coming, 1 John 2. Even now there are many Antichrists, John said. That was way back in the first century. Many. There are many right now. It seems like every governor in America is part of that group. I shouldn't say that. That's not good. Erase that. But it seems like it. So I guess it's okay. You can leave it. 
But there's kooky stuff. And they want, oh, do this, do that. This is what we need to do. And that Christian stuff, eh, you know, that's just a bunch of foolishness. No, it's not. It's amazing. The Lord said what, how things are going to turn out and what human life would be like. Well, look at that. Look at that in just a moment. What will the end times be like? Well, let's just look at a verse here in chapter 5, verse 2. For you yourselves know. Okay, listen to this. Paul was only in Thessalonica for three Sabbath days. Just three weeks. Only three times did he reach out to them because he got ran out of town. And so he gave them all this information and then sent letters to confirm it. First and second Thessalonians. He wrote that letter from Athens or, or uh, Berea or Corinth. He wrote that right after he had been talking to them. And he's saying, this is going to happen. What is it? It's the day of the Lord. Look at verse 2. You yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief. Now, what is the day of the Lord? Do you know the day of the Lord is not a 24-hour day? The day of the Lord is the day when Jesus is coming. As time unfolds to set up his thousand-year reign. But there's many events. And the day of the Lord starts with his people being caught up, taken out. You know, when a thief comes, they want to take something valuable. The Antichrist is going to rip off the world. But Jesus is going to take away the most valuable thing in this world. You know, a lot of people are going to be super happy and they're going to go, I'm so glad those Christians are gone. But we've been doing all the incantations and all the different things and we've gotten rid of that bad vibe, whatever it is. Well, I don't know how they're going to explain it. All I know is that the Lord wants to take his people home. He's excited. He's excited to come and take you and I home. Now, a lot of people think they will, that he will come before the rapture. Chuck, Pastor Chuck, um, my pastor thought that he would come and he would go up in the rapture, but he didn't because he went up faster. He died, and now he's with the Lord. But things have crescendoed even since then. So we'll just look at that. So it's not a 24-hour day. The day of the Lord starts with the Christians being caught up. The multiplying of darkness after that is going to just multiply like, like not before. And we're starting to see that, in my view, now, right now. I'll read a passage, and we'll, we'll decide. So... The church is caught up. The Antichrist comes and seeks to take over on earth. Now listen to this. It's an interesting verse that very few people even bring up. But it's, it's in John 5, 43. 
it says that Jesus was talking to the people whom he had presented himself to as the Savior and the Redeemer, and they didn't receive him. He said, I have come in my Father's name, and you did not receive me. Another will come in his own name, and him you will receive. This is the problem with the bringers of lies, with those who want to deceive and who are so prideful that they think they're the Messiah. Like I said, there are many antichrists. The word Christ means anointed one. It means Messiah in Hebrew. It's the one anointed to be God's king. And so he's going to deceive. But when the Lord comes back, after he marries the bride, now Revelation 19, the first half, talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. How many know that? Revelation 19. Jesus marries us, which is, it's different. It's not quite like this, but, but, but better. We get to, all of us, to marry the Lord. And he's going to give us garments of salvation. He's going to give us like a, a bridal gown, so to speak. I know for us guys this is a little weird. But anyway, it's going to be clothed with righteousness and marrying Jesus. And then it says that Jesus is going to get on his white horse and go from heaven to earth. And it says that we're going to ride on white horses and follow Jesus to earth where he'll set up his kingdom for a thousand years. Many of the parables talk about actually ruling over cities and things like that. Regardless, we're going to have a heck of a honeymoon. It's going to be fantastic. He's going to show the world what it's like for the world to be under God's control how the Lord wanted it to be until humans fell. I mean, that Adam, what an idiot. And Eve, and that whole thing. But you know, right after Adam and Eve fell in Revelation, or excuse me, in Genesis 3, God promised, listen to this, the devil the serpent, that he was going to send another son of the woman, the son of the woman. And serpent, you'll bruise his heel. He's going to crush your head. Think of that. The Bible is just given. Here, here's chapter 1 and 2. And here's the ugh. And just to put a little nugget in there, the Messiah's coming. And he came the first time. And you know, the first time was the beginning of the end times. Did you know that? It's basically what it says in Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. It starts at the first coming all the way through the second coming. That's 
the day of the Lord. But Jesus is now in heaven, and pretty soon the trumpet will sound, and we get to be caught up to be with him. It's going to be sweet. So how near is it? Let's just look at this, and I'll just read two more passages, and then we'll be done. But would you turn over for a second to um, 2 Timothy 3? It's a real short passage and really, really informative. And you tell me. I'd like you to tell me after the service. I think we're seeing these days. But listen to what it says. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times. Peril means dangerous times. It can also be translated difficult times. It can also be translated as scary times. They will come for men slash people will be lovers of themselves. In other words, their number one God will be themselves. That's their God. That's their first love. Go out and spoil yourself. Just entertain yourself. Just have at it. Go crazy with it. Love yourself. It's so healthy. Just love yourself. You know what's better than loving yourself? Let Jesus love you with real love. Loving ourselves sucks. It's just, we're just filled with selfishness. That's the bottom line. Okay. Now he says lovers of themselves. Now I don't say it's wrong to love yourself in a certain good way. It says love your neighbor as you love yourself. In other words, think of your neighbor and their needs and love them like you love yourself. Okay. That's, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Lovers of themselves, lovers of money because they want to provide anything they want for themselves. In other words, just materialism. It's not wrong to be wealthy. Abraham was one of the wealthiest guys on earth. But it's wrong to be materialistic and see that as another one of the idols that you love. We need to be careful of that, not being that way, materialistic. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. In other words, the family unit is going to get more and more broken. More and more broken. And then it goes on and it says, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers. That word is dia diaboloi. means little devils. Slandering people, lying in order to make them look bad and, and be bad and feel bad. Okay? And then slanders without self-control. You know, one of the great things to do with self is control it. <laughs> and you can do that through the Spirit, but not through your own power. Brutal, despisers of good. And that word, by the way, despisers of good, it means that they hate familial love. Familial love. It's the Greek word astorgoi. It's, it's sometimes translated heartless, but it means hating family affection. Why? 
because the parents don't love with a consistent godly love. I'm not talking about you guys because the Lord can help us. I mean, let's face it. These little kids are rascals, right? And we want to help them love God by first of all saying there is authority in this world and we're it. So we want to show you God's authority and res be respectful of it. And that helps them. So he goes on, despisers of good. These are things that they don't like. They don't like goodness. They're traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure. That Greek word is hedone, means hedonistic, lustful pleasure. Hedonistic. We sang a song that sometimes our hearts grow cold with darkness. And Jesus said this. Listen to this, you guys. It's quite a, an interesting passage, if I can find it. <laughs> yes, Matthew 24. It says in verse 12. This is a crazy, amazing verse. Lawlessness will abound causing the love of many to grow cold. I think what we're seeing right now is a thawing or an, uh, a freezing of people's hearts. How can your heart be unfrozen from hating, from being bitter, from being angry because you're hurt. How can it be healed? How can it be thought out? Because the Bible says that lawlessness will abound. That word lawlessness is very similar to the word in verse 1, difficult times. That word difficult times is chalepas. It means dangerous or most literally a reduction or letting down of standards and restraints that hold back evil. In other words, they don't want anyone bossing them around. Okay? They don't want policemen. They don't want people telling them what to do, which is sometimes okay, but most of the time not. Because there needs to be a restraint on the evil and this will be gone because lawlessness will increase the love of many will grow cold and this is the the comforting part i want to emphasize that the lord's love for you is so rich and so tender and kind and blessed that when you have that love you're going to be a loving person because you're receiving so much love. You know the Bible's not the Bible, but a Puritan brother named Thomas Manton. He said, love is like an echo. It gives back what it receives. It's like an echo. In other words, whatever you're receiving, if it's God's love, it's going to echo out in terms of keeping God's commandments, because if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So as he pours his love in, you love him back by honoring him. You know, I drive school bus, 
and they say you shouldn't pray with the kids when you drive school bus. I don't care. I say let's stop and pray right now before we leave. I don't want people to smash into us. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray and then sometimes I go, does anyone have any special requests? <laughs> and we'll talk about the Lord and then I forget they have to go to school. But <laughs> it's sweet. They, they know I love them. But I don't allow certain things on the bus. They can't get up and run up and down the aisle. Because if I slam on the brakes, they'll go through the windshield. And their parents won't understand. They'll go, didn't you keep calm over these people? Uh, have you ever been able to do that, ma'am? No. <laughs> but what helps is God's love. His encouragement. I'm just going to end with this last passage. It's in Philippians 1 if you want to look at it. Just going to close off with this. By the way, I'm going to check and see what, how much time I have here. Okay. It's 1044, and we started at 930, right? Okay, so 1030 would be one hour and 14 minutes. Um, yeah, I'll be done in three minutes. Okay. Good. Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. Listen to this, verse 8. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you, all of you, with the affection of Jesus Christ. How can you love people who are really hard to love with the affection of Jesus? You know what we read here about putting on the breastplate covering the heart of faith. If you trust Jesus and receive his love that he's given you, a spirit of love and of power and a sound mind, not a frozen mind, but a melted mind, now following him, loving him, his affection. You know, the Lord's affection for you is really great. You say, tell me more. Okay, I will. That word affection in Philippians 1.8, it's splanknon. Splanknon. It's hard to say. But we get the English word, believe it or not, spleen. A love that comes from deep down, so deep. It's way deeper than your heart. It's where he's filling every part. And he's giving you a passion or an affection to Love people because Jesus died for you. Why are we not destined for wrath? The reason why we're not destined for wrath is because it says in Philippians, or excuse me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Okay. He died in our place. I can't even go through a worship service without crying and saying, thank you that you died in my place. I'm not appointed to wrath because you took it. 
You took God's justice against sin and his anger about the selfishness of it. He sent Jesus for that. And he did what he did. And yet he prayed, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. I don't really want to do it. But I want to do it because it's your will. And no one else can do it. Father, but me. So not my will, but your will. He loves you so much. Let's all stand and bow our heads. Dear God, I thank you for these dear people. And I praise you, Lord, that your love supersedes all of this funny business going on in this world. Your love, Lord, dispels all the fears. Your love, your grace, it absorbs the anxieties that would seek to cause us to be dull and not watchful. So, Lord, we pray that you'll just open our hearts to drink in. We're so glad that you give refills of the Holy Spirit every day. If you need a refill with God's Spirit today, perhaps you're here and you, you don't even know if the Holy Spirit is in you. Well, if you ask Jesus to come into your heart and His Spirit to come in and wash away your sins, He will do that right now. Just ask Him. Say, Jesus, I receive you. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Be that one that only you can give us that wonderful power and redemption and newness of life. Just ask Him for that. And then for us as Christians, Lord, just overflow us. Just say that to Him. Lord, will you overflow me? Will you wake me up to the times in which we live? And Lord, will you help us be watchful so that we can spread the news so that people, even if they're left behind, they'll be able to know what to do. Please, oh God, thank you. Let's sing this song right now in praise and worship. And lift up your hand if you want. Lift up your hand and ask the Lord, just fill me from my, the tip of my hand to the bottom of my feet. Just fill me and empower me. Let's sing this song right now.